Good morning. Happy Christmas Eve and for Sunday of Advent. Welcome to Stone United Methodist Church service. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Kendra Ballier. And later I will be joined by Pastor Jane Ellen Nickel as we do the sermon together today. And so let's go ahead and get started. There's some announcements. First of all, um, Pastor John, my husband, and I are having an open house on Epiphany, which is January the 6th. There are sign-up sheets over in each of the doorways, if you, just so I can get and make sure there's enough food. And then uh, you can either call or text me as well and let me know that you're coming. And there are red papers down here as well that have the listing of the poinsettias. I ask that you don't take them until tonight uh, after the service. And uh, there's memorials and, and honorariums in there for that. And speaking of the service tonight, there will be a candlelight service tonight at 7 p.m. here on, at the church. You're welcome to come. Or you can tune in to uh, Armstrong or on any of the, of the uh, web pages that we have, uh, Facebook or YouTube, and catch that service as well. We have some special music planned for this evening, besides this morning with the bell choir. So with that, I believe I've hit all of the different, uh, the, the different announcements that I have for this morning. If you would please rise and join with me then for the call to worship. God loved the world so that he gave his only son the lost to save. Christ is the solid rock of faith who was made flesh and suffered death.
you may be seated. And it is time now for the lighting of a, our fourth Advent candle. Advent candle on the Advent wreath, the candle that represents love. God has promised that his steadfast love would not depart from his people. He would remember his covenant promise. Now the time has come for his promise to be fulfilled. In his grace, God chose Mary, a virgin in Nazareth of Galilee, to be the mother of our Lord. The virgin-born son would be the son of God. He was to be named Jesus, which means God saves. The apostle John writes, in this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. It's time now for the children to join me for the children's chat if they would come forward. We're going to sit on the steps today because we have all these poinsettias up here. What do you think? That's a good idea? Yes? Okay. All right. Well, today is... Not only Christmas Eve, but it is the fourth Sunday of Advent. Oh, do you know who what we talk about today? What? We're, well, we're going to talk about Jesus coming, that's right. But we're going to talk about love. That's right, the fourth Advent candle is love. I think we're getting a visit from the Magi. The wise men. The wise guys. Good morning. As you know, Malpure, Casper, and I are here on a journey to witness the birth of the baby Jesus. You also may know that we carry with us special gifts. Do you know what those gifts are? Gold. Yeah, good job. Okay, that's right. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
But more importantly, every gift represents something special, and we are each going to explain what our gifts mean. I'm Balthazar, and my gift is gold. Kings were often given gold because of its value. Sometimes their crowns or their royal belongings were made with gold. I'm giving the baby Jesus gold because he will become king. My name is Casper, and my gift of the baby Jesus today is frankincense. And that's sort of a funny word, but frankincense was uh, precious. It gave off a wonderful aroma and smelled sweet. And a lot in those days, lots of time, the high priest would light the frankincense in the uh, during worship, and it gave off such a wonderful smell that uh, uh, it made worship wonderful. And it was a precious gift. So that's what I give to baby Jesus today. And someday Jesus will be our high priest. My name is Melquir, and my gift is myrrh. That's also a strange name. Myrrh, like frankincense, has a wonderful smell. And way back when Jesus was born, it was sometimes used at funerals, kind of like how we might send flowers today. And that seems like a sad gift, but I'm giving myrrh to remind people that when Jesus dies, it won't be the end. It will really be the beginning, because he will live forever in our hearts. So kids, every time you hear of gold, frankincense, and mirth at Christmas time, you can remember that they represent Jesus as our king. And Jesus as our high priest. And Jesus living our hearts. Okay, kids, we must be on our way. It was nice being with you today, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming. Well, that's right. Well, there's all kinds of ways to love. We give gifts because we love somebody, right? And and you know what? The best gift of all that Jesus that God gave us. Do you know what that best gift of all is? It's Jesus. That's right. The best gift of all was giving us Jesus to save us from our sins. So today we're going to be talking about love just like the Magi told us about the gifts that they were bringing. Does that sound good today? All right. You want to put your hands together and we'll pray? Say, dear God, thank you for loving us so much that you gave us the gift of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I've got, you are still under seven, eight, that's right, I got to get it right, under eight, but you have turned, you've turned eight, so I need this one for you, there you go, all about Mary today, and there's for you, all right, now, it's time for our bell, bell choir to sing. Or not sing, but ring. You know what I mean.
Holy God, we are so grateful for the love that you give to us on a daily basis. And because of your love, we show our gratitude and love to you, Lord. We worship you today through our tithes and our offerings, praying they, they please you. But not only that, but they are able to show love to others through you and because of you. We pray this today because you are our Lord, our majesty, our beloved ruler and high priest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, we, I'm going to be reading to you from Luke, Luke 46 through 55. This is known as the Magnificat. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden for behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the might from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his posterity forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, today we come to hear your word, your message, and your son who came through Mary, Lord. May we hear her voice in spite of our own who share it with you, with others. May we be able to live into this message of love this love that you have given for us. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said today, this is going to be a little bit different than the way that we normally uh, share this together. But it's good. And it's refreshing. Throughout the season of Advent, 
we have witnessed the light of God's grace in Zechariah's hope, in Isaiah's peace, and in Elizabeth's joy. Now in this fourth week of Advent, we consider how the light of grace shines with love in the story of Mary, the mother of our Lord. Mary's story is unlike the other stories we have heard this Advent. She did not come from a prestigious family of priests like Zechariah or Elizabeth. She had no prophet's gifts or eloquence like Isaiah. She had no pedigree of any kind. We also learn that Mary was poor. And after Jesus' birth, when it was time for Mary's rite of purification, she did not make the sacrificial offering of a lamb, as those of more means could afford, but offered instead from the option of the poor a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And even though she was engaged to a man whose lineage could be traced back to King David, that man, Joseph, was a simple carpenter from Nazareth. In a world where all things of distinction and power and wealth seem to matter, Mary has none of that. She is humble, poor, and a lowly woman. Mary's story begins while she is still living at home with her family as a young virgin. The light of God's amazing grace would shine upon her. The angel Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. This greeting calls Mary favored one, one full of grace. Mary is troubled and fearful. She did not understand what sort of greeting that might be. And in the midst of the moment of grace, Mary pondered. We should not mistake Mary's pondering for distrust. She faithfully receives the promise of grace that she has been chosen as a favored one. Her pondering is always a sign of her faith seeking deeper understanding. As we will see, Mary's pondering is characteristic of her story. She seeks to understand the word of God for her life and for the lives of others, not the least of which is the life of her own son, Jesus. Seeking to calm her troubled spirit, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That's the, there's that word of grace again, favor. The angel it continues, And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary is not done pondering. She asks a question, a question that needs an answer, a good news answer. Indeed, how will God's gracious son of promise be conceived, and particularly in the womb and life of this humble, lowly, poor young virgin? Gabriel will not deny her gracious answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing 
will be impossible for God. Did Mary grasp all of this? Did she connect the significance of her yet-to-be-born child, Jesus, with the audacious claim that nothing will be impossible with God? Jesus means God saves or God makes a saving place. And Jesus will make a saving place in the life of Mary and in the lives of us all. When Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit alighted upon him and he heard the words of his Father in heaven saying to him, You are my Son, the Beloved. Love was present in the Father's heart as Jesus was being prepared for the purpose for which he was sent to make a saving place of love for the whole world. While he did not, like Mary, carry the child of saving grace in the womb, we do become bearers of God's promising name and his gracious love in our baptism. God makes a place for us in our story as it becomes connected with Jesus' light of love. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon us as the Father of our Lord Jesus graciously looks upon us. And we are called God's own beloved children. And as we trust in the promise of grace is making a place in our lives, we trust that nothing will be impossible with God. The light of Jesus' gracious love will go far beyond all our limited imagination and pondering. For Mary, conceiving a child as a virgin is a big deal, one worth pondering. But wait until she sees, and we with her, all that this light of gracious love will do. God and sinners get reconciled in this light of Jesus' gracious love. Sin, death, and the judgment of the law get conquered by this light of Jesus' gracious love. Upon all, the, all that brings darkness upon the world, Jesus' gracious light of love will shine. Jesus' light of love shines upon a powerless humanity trapped in the darkness of powers and principalities beyond our control. Jesus' light of love overcomes all the hatred, prejudice, and ruthless indifference with regard to the lowly Jesus' light of love overcomes the darkness of death and judgment. All the darkness that seems to reign over our lives is overcome by Jesus, by Jesus' love that will now reign. Such overcoming in Jesus' light of love, however, is not without its cost. And that is something for us all to ponder. It does not come by Jesus lording over us, but by Jesus laying his lordship aside for the sake of all who are caught in darkness. Nothing, absolutely nothing will be impossible from all the grace that comes from the light and love found in the little Lord Jesus. Nothing absolutely nothing will be impossible from all the grace that comes from this light of love found in him. That, certain, that certainly empowered a humble and lowly Virgin Mary, emboldened her to risk her life in faith. Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. But Mary will still have more pondering to do along with the path of her new risky venture in faith. Even we, 
as contemporary word bearers know the need for pondering in the face of obstacles and dangers that, that, he, that lie ahead. Yet, we venture out into the darkness in the promise, risking in faith. Oh, Mary's journey in faith would lead her to home, to the home of her relative Elizabeth. And these two, the, there are these two women, one young, one old, would find common cause to rejoice that God's gracious love overcomes the darkness of any disgrace, even that of gender. For women did not have much to boast about in this time, especially lowly women. And yet these two will come to sing of God's greatness in the child of love that Mary carries. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. But there would be other journeys in life when Mary would ponder the grace of her promising child. One of those would be a long journey for Mary when she was very pregnant, traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem together with her betrothed husband, Joseph. It was not a trip that, that they envisioned, but one legislated by authorities ruling over them. Mary pondered along this difficult journey, and she pondered even more upon her arrival in Bethlehem. For when they got there, there was no place for them in the inn, and she had to give birth to her promised child in a dirty, unkempt stable and lay her child in an animal trough for his first bed. And when the shepherds came on that night of the child's birth, Mary would ponder some more. These shepherds told her the message they had heard from an angel about her child. Her child would be the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. He would be the one to bring peace on earth for all those whom God favors, all those whom God graces. Mary reassured all of these words, yet she pondered, even though she herself rejoiced in the home of Elizabeth, and sang the song of the promised child that he would be great and would fulfill the promise of God my Savior, that he would bring down the powerful from their thrones that, and lift up the lowly. She had trouble reconciling all, it all. Why is this great promised Savior born here of all places in a lowly, dingy, humble, and forgotten place. Why does this child come in the midst of darkness? She did not yet perceive that Jesus comes in the very midst of the darkness of sin to shine his light of love. Yes, Jesus enters the earth in one of the lowliest and most humble of births even as people of perceived power and greatness seem to have it so much better. Jesus comes for all. There will be no place and no one will be forgotten. There will be no one beyond his light of love. Mary was surely a, a, a dearly loving mother and employed all her strength in caring for her son. Her name, after all, means beloved. So when Jesus was born, she nurtured him and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in the manger. There is a passage of scripture that speaks of such tender love a mother possesses. Can a woman forget her nursing child 
or show no compassion for the child of her womb from Isaiah 49:15? No, Mary cannot. But Mary had more pondering to do about she herself was loved and by her own child, Jesus. When Mary, Joseph, and Jesus came to the temple in Jerusalem for purification according to the law of Moses, there was a man there named Simeon who was, wearing, was nearing the end of his journey in life. And seeing the child of Mary, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and he proclaimed the baby the saving light of grace and the promise of all people. Mary was amazed about all that was said about her child. But then Simeon spoke directly to Mary saying, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Mary would later discover what Simeon meant. There would also come a time when Mary's child, now 12, would go missing. And she was, Joseph frantically searched for him until they eventually found him in the temple, listening to and even teaching the teachers. She and Joseph were astonished. And Mary said to Jesus, like this. Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. But her child responded, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But Mary and Joseph did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And Mary would ponder what happened as she treasured all of these things in her heart. One time when her child Jesus, now an itinerant rabbi, came to Nazareth, he did not receive honor and esteem, but only resentment and hostility. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? And they took offense at him, disowning him in their hatred and resentment. Mary's loving heart, well, have been breaking with compassion for her child who was being so persecuted. On another occasion, when Jesus was surrounded by a crowd, he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. It seemed only natural that a mother wanted to see her son for a bit. But what was more important for Mary to ponder now was that Jesus' love goes beyond family bloodlines. Jesus said, Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus was not excluding Mary, but he was inviting her and everyone else to perceive the depth of God's grace of love. God's love in Jesus Christ is not limited to family lineages or traditions, but embraces all, even when they are hated or rejected by others. Mary might as well have pondered in that moment the deeper meaning of her own song of rejoicing. Favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Jesus, the light of love, brings blessing to many, many more than Mary, his dear mother. All those who live in the darkness of being the lowly, unblessed in life 
He calls blessed the poor, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. And <laughs> let there be light. <laughs> and the persecuted. To those one and all, Jesus says, You are blessed. He has filled the hungry with good things. The child whom Mary would, fed would be the Lord, whose light of love will make a saving place by feeding thousands upon thousands who are hungry. I am the bread of life, he said. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In his light of love, none are turned away from his feast of grace, and those who come to his table of grace are sent out to share his bread of the world. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. Of love would make a saving place at the table with sinners and tax collectors, touch leopards, and in order to heal them, care for the blind and the lame, the sick and the suffering. He did not listen to the powerful nor all the rules and the regulations of the religious elite, but he brought love wherever he could. In doing so, he overthrew the control of power upon the weak and the sinful. Jesus would say, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The power, the powerful may not have cared for the lowly, but Jesus' light of love never abandons them, nor does it abandon us. He has shown strength with his arm. Mary would come to the front of the, the foot of the cross where her child Jesus was being put to death as a rejected enemy of the state. Many of Jesus' disciples had already fled, but the dear mother who could not forget her child did not. She loved him, yet even now she could feel the sword piercing his soul, her soul, as Simeon had foretold, and her own strength of heart leaving her. But she will not be forgotten or left without the strength of her child's compassion. With his outstretched arms on the cross, Jesus shines strength from the light of love upon his mother Mary in the hour of death. Looking upon her and his beloved disciple, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And to the disciple, behold your mother. Even in the darkness of this hateful brutality and pain, even for all the rejection and the judgment of death, the light of Jesus' love shines upon Mary. Even here, Jesus' light of love brings into being something new, a new community of love. Jesus was calling his mother Mary and his beloved disciple into a unique relationship of care, just as he called us to be part of the greater body of love of the church. On the cross... The strength of Jesus' arms embraces his mother and embraces us all. None are left forgotten or without compassion. None are left on the margins of life. And even when we make our own final crossing from death to eternal life, we are welcomed into the strength of the loving arms of our Lord Jesus. For all of her pondering, in life, Mary, whose name means beloved, will find favor forever. Her child Jesus, the light of love, will give her and each one of us a new name in the light of heaven. 
There we will be called beloved. There the light of Jesus' love will grant us grace eternally. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation. Oops. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. The promise of this promising child, Jesus, brings mercy to one and all. His light of love keeps shining for us. The mercy mission of Jesus continues even today, as it has for over two millennia now. For his loving mercy is from generation to generation, and through all time and through all generations, Jesus, the child of Mary, is the everlasting child of love. Would you pray? Let us pray. God, may we walk the path that Mary has set for us, one who is obedient to God's will, bearing the very love of God and bringing him to birth. As we embrace this love in our own lives, may we show the compassion and love of both Mary and Jesus to all your children. In his name we pray, amen. have a prayer for a family united and I have some prayers for others who are battling illness right now and we will also keep in mind all those who are traveling and so we shall sing our prayer hymn this morning pray. Lord God, today in this place, there are many hearts that are expecting the birth of your son, his appearance to this world. Lord, today in this place, I pray that we experience his love, but we, I also pray that we offer the love of Christ to others. And through his love, we find hope and peace and joy. Today, Lord God, in this place, we know that there are hearts that are broken, broken for their family being ununited, but wishing that they were united. Hearts that are broken because of loved ones, hearts that are broken because they're ill, Lord, I'm sure that there are so many other hearts that are broken too. And we know that only you can mend them and bind them. So Lord, I pray for that this day. I also pray today, Lord, for those who are traveling, that as they come together and rejoice and meet, Lord, that they keep you in the center of their minds. I pray today, Lord God, for those who are seeking you, that they come wandering in or come upon any of the messages that are being offered today in any church across the world, that they find that love that only you can provide. And so as we remember the love that Jesus provided for each of us, we pray today the prayer that he taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you would please rise and join with me for the closing hymn today. We're going to be singing Hail to the Lord's Anointed. And the tune might sound a little bit familiar to you, um, if you if you know your good Methodist hymns. Hail to the Lord's Anointed. Please stand. His name to us this morning and for always is love. May you have a blessed rest of the day. May you tune in tonight or come and be here for the candle lighting ceremony. And just by an off chance, if you happen to know where those candles are, could you dig them out before you leave today? And could you? Could you come and sing all the Christmas carols with full of heart, full of worship, and full of praise? And as you go out this day and meet with families today and tomorrow and maybe even next weekend, may you have a wonderful and most joyous and blessed Christmas. In the name of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated. Mm -hmm.